You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. So here's what I want to do. I want to present to you a little different view of what I think the first Thanksgiving was. See, the one I'm speaking of is by Christians is often termed the Last Supper. So it's really an interesting comparison when you think about it because you have the Last Supper and then you have the first Thanksgiving. Now, if you think about it and you go back to the Last Supper as, as, the, as the 12 and Jesus and they roll into town and they've gone to the upper room and, and they're having this, this time together. It had to be a heavy time for Jesus as he came together with these 12, these people that he had traveled with that they had slept beside each other out in open fields and they had hoped the next day would have food that was associated with it. Had to be a heavy time for them, but what seemed to be, should have been a real closeness because what they were doing is they were coming to town to celebrate Passover. That was a big deal in the Jewish family. And they were coming to Jerusalem to, to just celebrate this wonderful time. And so that should have been a time of closeness as these gathered together in that upper room. Well, see, I'm just thinking about Judas Iscariot, if you think about him. I'm thinking, okay, Judas, he had already made plans. He knew what he was going to do, but he went ahead and came to the dinner anyway. And I was just thinking about what was rolling through his mind because I can't imagine he's sitting there and, and at the same time of this closeness, he's edgy because what he knows is going to happen in not too long, he's going to leave and he's going to go sell out the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. So that's going on in his mind. I'm thinking about others at this Last Supper. They were confused about what Jesus was saying because, you know, here they got this leader. They're following this guy. I mean, this is a charismatic, really, with a big C. This is a charismatic guy, and they're following him. They are sold out. They've gone off and left possessions. They've left family. They've done all of that. But then he starts talking about this imminent departure. I'm not going to be here very long, and I'm thinking... If I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking, wow, what's this all about? And then he starts talking about things like, this is my body, as they share this communion. This is my body that was broken for you. He talks about that this is my blood that will be shed for you. And I think, too, about no doubt the pressure because he knew that things were winding down and they were winding down quickly and he knew what was ahead of him and likely it was going to occur in these next few hours because he'd excused Judas and told him hey partner go do what you got to do and Judas had left so why do you why do they call it the last supper you know we talked about this first Thanksgiving well why did why did they call it the last supper well it's because it literally was the last meal, the last time that he would sit down with these 12 in his physical body. And it was a time that, that it would, they, those closest to him shortly before that he would leave to have to suffer. He'd suffer beatings. He'd be arrested. He would be ultimately put on trial and then crucified. But see, as believers, it was that occasion that set in motion the grace and the thanksgiving that we're here today to celebrate and talk about. Because that's the very thing that, 
that after all this stuff took place, guess what happened? It's called the resurrection. As believers, can you imagine, I mean, we, we might come here and talk about cars and motorcycles. I'd be okay with that, frankly. But what we really came to talk about was really we came to talk about Christ. And we wouldn't be having that conversation if there was no resurrection, right? And so that's that thanksgiving that we talk about. It put in motion the, the, the things that the, the Savior, about these Mayflower pilgrims, that they could celebrate and they could come and give thanks on this Thanksgiving day. And they would celebrate and say, Oh, we serve a mighty Lord. Look what he's done for us. And believe me, these people had not had an easy path. Go back and read the history. I'm telling you, the first, first winter or two, starvation and things, they had a tough path. In the early hours of April 15, 1912, the Titanic struck an iceberg in the North Sea. The air was calm. The weather was cold. It was dark. When it struck that iceberg, there was a message went out by Western Union, and it went out, and there was a, a receiving station at, at uh, Iceland that received the message. And this is what the message from the ship said. From the bridge, it said, We have struck iceberg. Stop. Sinking fast. Stop. Come to our, our assistance, stop. And then it gave its position. Latitude 41 degrees and 46 minutes north. Longitude 50 degrees and 14 minutes west. On that day of 2,224 passengers that were aboard the Titanic, more than 1,500 of those were claimed by the sea. More than 1,500. Some of the people that survived it, that, uh, that 700 or so that survived by ships that came to the rescue, if you underutilized un, under lifeboats, because if you ever go on a cruise now and you, you know, it drives me crazy, you go on a cruise and you have to go meet on some floor at some boat and they talk about stuff you're never going to need to know and about who's going to get in where and where's your life jacket. Well, guess what? They had no plan. You know, they had no thought about what would go wrong with them. Had zero plan. And so over 1,500 went into the sea to be claimed by the sea that day. See, there wasn't the technology then that we have today, because if you just think about the Western Union, you know, that was dots and dashes that they were communicating with. But the White Star Lines, that was who owned the Titanic, and their offices were in Liverpool, England. And what they did was they went outside because they weren't sure what else to do and people were coming looking for information. So they went outside and they put up two signs outside their door. They put up two signs outside their door. Because there were people that were waiting and they were hoping to hear this news about what happened to my loved ones. I know that my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, parent was on that boat. What happened to them? One sign said merely, known to be lost. The other sign said, known to be saved. As information was available, the people would go out from the White Star Lines, and they would go out and they would post another name on one of those two boards. Known to be lost, 
or the sign that known to be saved. Scripture says this. It says that he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. That's in 1 John, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read it to you again. I don't know how you, you know, that, that boy, what a simple message said in, in a probably, what, 15 or 20 words. But let me read it to you again. This is what it says in 1 John 5. It says, he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. So see, my prayer for you today, and if you're online and you're listening to this, my prayer today is that your name is on the saved board. My prayer is that your name is on the saved board. And if it isn't on the saved board, that what you'll do is you'll take the time to say, you know, I want to be on that board. Because there, there's a book, Scripture talks about it, there's a book, and that book of life, and maybe I would retitle it today, the known-to-be-saved book. But there's a book in heaven that has our name on it. Once we step forward and we make that confession of faith and say, you know, I've led an imperfect life, I'm an imperfect person, I bet I do a whole bunch of dumb stuff in the future, but Lord, I want to accept you, I want you to take me and mold me and make me, I want to do the best I can with the life I have remaining. Now see, the reality for us, as you kind of sip your coffee and take these last few bites, is that this time together, you're with our forever family, okay? Our forever family's bigger than this, by the way. We'd had a hard time accommodating them all, even if we just collected the ones in Springdale. But see, your, your forever family, that's not the people that you share the last name with. Your forever family are the people that you have this common bond with. It's the people that, that have accepted Christ. And you know that one day, they're, they're your brothers and sisters now. But guess what? They're your brothers and sisters for eternity. Some of which you may not even like that much. But boy, the reality in heaven it's going to be a lot different because there's no more tears, no more sorrows, there's no more family disputes, there's no more I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You see, what we're going to do this morning is, in a little bit, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And it's an opportunity for you to think about because the things we've talked about today, I would say that that Last Supper was really the first Thanksgiving because what it did for us believers, it set a path that ultimately became that resurrection that allowed us to be saved and spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. And we're going to come together in a little bit and do that. And this is kind of the process that's going to happen. His praise team is going to come in a moment. And they're going to lead us in some songs. Think about, you know, what a good, good father we serve. And we spend some time just celebrating that in song. After we've done that, then... You have communion that's at your table. And after we've done that, then what's going to happen, we'll just ask you to be kind of quiet. And then you'll have elders in our church, some of our church leaders, they're going to make their way table to table, and they're going to pray with you at your table to take communion. All right? If you're not a believer or, or you're just not ready for that, that's fine. Nobody's going to put any pressure on you. But understand, at this church, we practice what's called open communion. Now, closed communion is 
when, if you don't go to church here, you don't take communion here. Open communion is such that if, in fact, you are a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter where your church home, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you accept him as your personal Savior, we welcome you to take that communion, that picture of his body and his blood that was shed for us. So elders and leaders are going to do that. So I just want to encourage you, the praise team's going to come and get set up if they've choked down all their scrambled eggs. And I just want to encourage you just to visit for a minute. And then, like I say, we're going to sing together, and then we're going to move to that time of communion. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com, or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.